We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass, stay responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI-I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on geico.com you can save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you as always by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. 
Be sure to use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit on DraftKings for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, September 9th, 2015. Nick Whalen here, joined by RotoWire's own Mike Doria. Mike, we are now less than 24 hours away from the start of real football. Excellent. And the, and the Patriots are playing tomorrow. They're opening up the season. Uh, for me, that's a good way to start the season, especially with uh, you know last week's news that Brady's going to start and all that. A uh, little bit of a downer that they uh, the Patriots lost their starting center, Brian Stork, today, uh, and placed him on short-term um, IR there. But uh, it's not enough to dampen my enthusiasm, uh, you know, overall. And I think Brady's going to be pretty fired up. Steelers are going to be a little shorthanded with a couple guys suspended. So uh, it's going to be a great game, and I'm pretty sure the Patriots are going to win. Yeah, I think the line on that is Patriots by seven at home now. And I I thought that was, you know, given all the the tumultuous offseason that they've had and everything that's gone on with that, I thought that was a little bit of a a larger line than I was expecting. But, you know, like you said, I'm sure Brady's going to be ready to come out in, in week one here. Yeah, I wasn't really monitoring the uh, the Vegas uh, lines there before uh, Brady's suspension was nullified, but I'm sure there was some sort of correction, and perhaps in your mind, it's I would an think overcorrection. So. Maybe, um, maybe. I, I like the Steelers team maybe a little bit more than most people, but obviously they have some question marks of their own to get into. Yeah, they got their offensive line issues of their own right. too, and and like I said, you know, a couple guys suspended there. Uh, we'll probably get into that a little bit uh, down the road in this podcast, uh, just as a reminder to uh, some of our users. Uh, who is going to be sitting out for uh, being naughty? Yes, exactly. We'll get into suspensions, um, injuries heading into week one. Basically, uh, from here on out, throughout the regular season, Wednesday nights, uh, as we record here around 8 o'clock Central in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Wednesday nights are going to be our podcast, tec- technically um, technically the Wednesday Rotowire podcast, but it basically will be released late Wednesday night. You might be listening on Thursday um, it's just going to be focused on injuries, and it's it's meant kind of as a companion, you know, as, you, as you're setting your lineups heading into the Thursday night game, and, and obviously looking toward the weekend, just which guys to keep an eye on, which players we know are going to be out, which players might not be out. So, you know, we're going to try to provide each week the best that we have at the time of recording. Yeah, as far exactly, as, Nick. As you mentioned, it's 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 the beginning of the practice week, uh, you know, with the exception of the teams that are playing on Monday. So, a lot of the time, you're just going to get the preliminary, um, you know, injury. Designation, designations that you know players either missing practice or limited or fully practicing and typically for some of the more questionable players you know say like a Randall Cobb this week you just have to day by day track them as we do on the site and usually by Friday there is some sort of clarification uh, I'll be you know be it the official designation or simply we just get a much better read after uh, the teams have been practicing for a few days there yeah, exactly. And we're getting into the best time of the year now, I think, for, for sports. And you can argue basically now until you know, for the next few months where we're kind of in the meat of it after the, after the dog days of summer where it's just baseball and you know, the end of the NBA season in June, finally getting the games each week. Um, and it's to the point now where you have the NFL game Thursday. You usually have a, a pretty decent, sometimes marquee college football game Friday. Obviously, you have great college football games on Saturday, NFL Sunday, NFL Monday. So it's basically just Tuesday and Wednesday that we have to get through at this point. Right. Well, sometimes you need to leave the house, I guess. So those That's seem, debatable. Those seem like good days to do that. When right. There's not a great sporting event on TV. And then uh, you're probably not as fired up about hockey season as I am. But I could not be less fired up. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure you're looking forward to hoops. I am. And uh, baseball, you know, even, even if some people might disengage from baseball at times, once the postseason kicks in, it's a nice one-two punch. You know, MLB postseason and football and then those other sports there – 
are, are getting ready to go, college football. So, yeah, um, if you're living in a climate like Wisconsin, it uh, gives you a good excuse to, you know, catch games at home uh, when there's a blizzard outside or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time of the year for sure. Absolutely. So before we get into some of the injuries, um, or all of the injuries, I should say, um, as of Wednesday night, the Rotowire Staff League, or one of the many Rotowire Staff League drafts, took place earlier this week. Um, 16 team league composed of various Rotowire employees and other Rotowire uh, contributors, I guess. I think, are we officially deeming this the Kyle Riley Customer Service League? It's, yeah, the Kyle Riley Customer Service intern slash part timer slash beat writer league. So it's, it's, it's a pretty knowledgeable group. Um, one question I have for you is what's your take on a, a 16 team league? Because there was a, there was certain individuals that weren't that thrilled with uh, the possibility of a 16 team league, given that generally if you're in a league that big, you're at least one, maybe two positions are going to be looking a little sketchy. Yeah, I mean, it, it. you can look at it two ways. You know, if you're in a 10-team or a 12-team league, it's, it's a lot more fun because you look at your, you can get excited about almost every position in your starting lineup. And when you're in a 16-team league, um, you know, you end up with basically one or two positions that you just know aren't going to be great. You know, you, you can't feel good about every single position, especially if you're in a league with guys who know what they're doing. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. But the cool thing about a 16-team league is you get to, you really have to mine some value later in the draft. You know, you can't, I was in a ten-team league draft the other day, and somebody somebody took uh, Jim Kleinsaucer, former uh, <laughs> former Vikings fullback, who is still in the player pool for some wow. reason, along with a lot of players who should not have been in the player pool. Um, but you, you can't do that in a sixteen-team draft, you know. And obviously, he's probably going to drop Kleinsaucer and pick up somebody who means something. But in a sixteen-team league, you know, your your last couple picks can mean a lot. You know, even if it's a receiver who you're just taking a flyer on because. You know, if somebody gets hurt, they might go from the number three to the number two or the number four to the number three. So I personally enjoy it. I think you have to pay a lot more attention. You have to know what you're doing. But, you know, if you do your research, it can be a lot of fun to, to kind of yeah. to dig deep for those values. And as you mentioned, every every team tends to have a flaw or two. And um, it, it just creates a situation where you need to pay attention uh, throughout the season and try to whether whether or not you have a, a waiver system or, or free agent bidding. Uh, you you got to be on your toes, and uh, even if your team looks a little a little iffy uh, out of the gate, if you're paying attention and uh, noticing trends um, that that can help you, you know, in season long leagues or or, or in daily leagues, uh, then you know you're you're going to be the the person who winds up with a, a a guy on your roster that may have started the season as a number four running back somewhere, and suddenly that player is uh, leading the charge. I mean, like, think about Justin Forsett last year. Who, who who thought that that was he was going to turn into you know a guy that you know cut to this year and he's he's you know considered a you know not maybe elite running back but definitely a, a starting running back uh, in almost any format and he kind of came out of nowhere relatively yeah so I just went on and on about the you know the focus and the research that usually goes into sixteen team leagues so what do you got and well see I was also doing a, a ten team league hometown draft at the same time and. They both started at 7 o'clock, so I really didn't have an option. One was Yahoo, one was ESPN. Just a pretty much a nightmare scenario, and I was like, right. oh, you know, I'll be able to handle both of them. I'll just keep oh, yeah, them both that's, up. That's right. We were talking about that before, and I right. compared it to Ray Manzarek of The Doors, how, how he played keyboard with one hand and and handled the bass line with the other hand. Uh, I'm not a big fan of drafting two, two, t- two teams at the same time, and, and I think you're about to tell me 
some of the pitfalls of that. Yes. Yeah, see, so one of the leagues is my hometown league with friends back home, and you know we're scattered all over the place at this point. So we did a you know a Google Hangout session, which basically is just a group Skype, you know, and we're all chatting it up between picks and you know reminiscing whatever. So I, I was like, oh, you know, I'll just be able to flash back between draft to draft, and I ended up I ended up putting a lot more focus into the ten team draft, which which turned out well. Um, and, and at one point, I apparently stepped away from the Yahoo draft, uh, the 16-team league draft, or 16-team draft. And the next thing I knew it, I had auto-drafted Jonas Gray. I had auto-drafted the Seattle defense in the eighth round, uh, which is about three or four rounds before any defenses were off the board. And Steven Goskowski was auto-drafted for me, thankfully, well, that, in, the, in the 10th round. That, that pick might just win you the league. You're right. That's the thing. Well, I do have the top defense and the top kicker now. I just took them maybe three or four rounds before I would like to. Have. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people are, are, are going to, you know, be against the notion of aggressively seeking out the, the top kicker, or at least the perceived top kicker, or, or one of the top defenses. But, you know, I, I don't mind in a 16-team league uh, trying to, like, identify elite players or, or defenses, you know, and, and and going out and getting them rather aggressively. I think this was a little too aggressive by, yeah. by our good friend, uh, the Yahoo Auto Pick. But I still yeah. ended up with a decent team. At least I liked, I liked the core. You know, that was, I was engaged yeah. for the first six rounds. I was trying I, to put some positive spin on it. Right, and I appreciate that. I, I somehow didn't end up with the lowest draft grade, so that's saying a lot. And not that Yahoo's draft grades uh, really have a big say in how the season goes. But uh, I ended up with Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins as my receivers, which I was happy with yep. in, in a 16-team league. Greg Olson at tight end. And it's a half-point PPR, right? Yes, Matt Ryan as a quarterback, Eric Decker as a as a third receiver or a flex, but the running backs were a bit of an issue. Did you? Sorry, did you mention your tight end? I did. Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Yeah, that's. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that. He's, right, and I was I grabbed Mercedes Lewis late in the draft as just kind of yeah. a you know with Julius Thomas out, he, he might have a little bit of upside. Um, but my running backs are T.J. Yeldon and Denard Robinson. Hmm, that's not thrilled about that. <laughs> what's uh, what's right or wrong with that picture? Uh, well, you see, first of all, I probably overloaded on Jaguars. I also grabbed Bortles, half half as a joke, but uh, you know, I might need a QB. He was he was my last pick in you know the draft. What? In a sixteen um, team league, as your second quarterback, could do you, worse. You, you start getting into the uh, Tyrod Taylor, Blake Bortles, you know, Alex Smith, Mariota, Bridgewater were late picks. Yeah, yeah. and um, I don't mind that. Um, I mean, it it looks like a homer pick. Um, I mean, and I don't mind the fact that you have Denard Robinson and T.J. Yeldon, but it's you really can't and don't want to start both yeah. the same week. Absolutely so not. Who, who, what, what are your other options there at running back? Uh, well, Jonas Gray, who oh, is yeah. currently on my roster, and I'll well, obviously, not I will obviously be, be taking care of that before Thursday night's game. Uh, but yeah, by the by the time I really noticed what auto pick had had done to me there, there weren't really ah, excuse me, there weren't really many backs left. So I'll, I'll have to do some mining through the free agent pool, but. Uh, You'll As of right yourself, now, it's uh, it's going to be the full Jags backfield. Well, uh, you know, while I'm on one of my rants, you should uh, check your free agent pool to see if Benny Cunningham or Brandon Bolden are out there, or any of those guys. They were not, I can assure you. And like you said, these were pretty pretty sharp guys that we were drafting with. So they, uh, I think they made sure to take advantage of me not paying attention. Uh, but let's get into some of the injuries. Before we do that, the podcast, just a reminder, is available for subscription on both iTunes and Stitcher. Please make sure to leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on either of those platforms. You can, of course, stream it on um, Stitcher Radio, like I said, or you can grab it from the rotowire.com website. If you just go to rotowire.com, click on podcast in the upper right, or go to rotowire.com slash pod, you can stream or download the MP3 directly from the website. All right, so some of the top injury news heading into week one. 
LaShawn McCoy expected to be ready for week one. He practiced what the team said in full Wednesday. Sounds like he was still maybe a little bit limited, but he'll be on the field for week one, um, even if he's not quite 100%. Well, that's that's kind of the uh, the gist of that, is that, uh, you know, he he's out there. T- they, they list him as a full participant, but uh, – uh, and, and and it's it's pretty much uh, locked in that he's going to play unless there's a setback as the week goes along. But he kind of you know acknowledged that maybe he, he might not be 100%. Uh, I, I don't know if that necessarily means that he's going to be on a pitch count or anything like that. But at least, uh, you know, we were talking about Buffalo's backfield situation last week or the week before, kind of lamenting the, uh, the fact that they got rid of uh, Fred Jackson when everyone was kind of banged up. But you look at Buffalo's injury report this week, and McCoy is really the only running back that's on it. That means that Carlos Williams, Anthony Dixon, Bryce Brown are both theoretic, or all, all theoretically healthy. So, uh, you know, if McCoy is limited at all, uh, they at least have three other options, assuming they're all active in week one. So it, it's not quite a dire of a situation as it looked like when, you know, McCoy wasn't, you know, sure about playing and Carlos Williams was coming back from his uh, surgery and all that yeah yeah exactly and uh they get the noon game against indianapolis and we'll get into uh some more bills news as we go division by division um some of the other top news joik bell avoided the injury report that the lions issued on wednesday theo riddick however is listed as number two ahead of amir abdullah do you really believe that that's gonna be the case well i mean i think that theo riddick is just his his role with that team is is more of a pass catching back um you know third down kind of option there uh bell is you know like you said he's not on the injury report he was he has he was troubled with uh, achilles and knee issues for much of the summer but uh as kind of promised by him and suggested by a lot of the uh, lions beat writers he would be ready for the regular season i was a little bit skeptical and i kind of expected him to at least be on the injury report in advance of week one but he's not so it looks like he's gonna you know hold on to that starting job but obviously abdullah is 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 a high upside backup slash complimentary player um i am not sure how you know much of a a volume in terms of carries he's going to get in week one but i I think over time the the talent will trump experience and and he'll be a nice uh nice value um as the season rolls along all right Jameis winston rookie quarterback for the tampa bay buccaneers of course not on the injury report. He was dealing with a minor ankle injury. It seemed to bother him a little bit in their final preseason game and, and a little bit in the game before that, but never really anything to be concerned about there. Um, and he draws Marcus Mariota in week one in what is <laughs> maybe the biggest Titans versus Buccaneers game of all time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't like done an extensive uh, search uh, on the history of, 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 of those two franchises competing against each other, but it's, it's really fascinating to see the top two uh, draft picks at the same positions you know in a showdown in week one and a lot of people are going to like take it as kind of a like a referendum for their careers almost and yeah right it's just going to be one week and uh i mean I, I i do believe if uh mike evans ends up playing which is i guess not necessarily a lock this week kind of like um winston's weapons but uh i mean there's a reason that the titans and the uh, jaguars or sorry the uh, buccaneers drafted at 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 the uh at the top of the draft so mm-hmm. you know there those teams are works in progress but it, it'll be fun to see uh you know who comes out on top in week one as long as we don't like 
judge them for the rest of their careers based on who wins and who puts up the most fa- fantasy points in their first NFL game. Well, it's interesting because Jameis's last college game yeah, at Florida State in, in the semifinal of the first college football playoff was against Mariota in Oregon. And, you know, Oregon really turned it on in the second half and was able to, to take care of business there. So, yeah, this will be a very interesting game. A lot of, a lot of hype around a, a week one Buccaneers-Titans game that probably otherwise wouldn't be much of a national story. Yeah, but in, from a fantasy perspective, as, as much promise as these guys have, I mean, generally speaking, they're, they're only viable options in two quarterback leagues and, right. and obviously as backups in, in standard formats, mm-hmm. as much upside as they, as they might have down the road. Randall Cobb, he, of course, suffered a shoulder injury in week three of the preseason, initially believed to be something a little more severe than it ended up being, just an AC joint sprain. He was still limited in practice Wednesday, told reporters that he will play. The Packers haven't officially confirmed that, but it sounds at this point that he's going to be on the field, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the limited is probably going to stick for the rest of the week, and the Packers may end up listing him as questionable for that contest. But unless there's some sort of setback, I believe that he will play. It's going to be more of a pain tolerance issue than anything else. And uh, as we touched on previously, with Jordy Nelson on IR, the, you know, there's they would not rush him back necessarily, but they, they also don't have the luxury of, you know, playing it super cautiously either. You know, they want to get off to a good start. Uh, Nelson's not there. Um, James Jones is back in the fold, but, you know, he might need a little time to, to get back up to speed, you know, as much as he knows the offense. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, that Cobb's going to play. And, uh, you know, he, he hinted that he might be bugged by the uh, the issue for a few weeks. But, again, I, b- I believe it's a pain tolerance issue. And as long as he doesn't get bumped in practice and or, you know, suffer a, a setback in the game, um, he's going to be heavily targeted by Aaron Rodgers um, because, you know, Again, with with Nelson out, someone's got to be the top guy, and it's Cobb. All right, Des Bryant practiced in full for the Cowboys on Wednesday. He didn't play at all in the preseason, um, but it sounds like he's going to be a full go against the Giants on Sunday. Are you expecting another monster season from him? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the fact that he didn't get you know preseason reps with Tony Romo doesn't really bother me. They have a you know a long history of you know working well together, and as long as they're both healthy or at least healthy enough to play. Um, the numbers should follow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys end up, you know, doing the, the Romo rest routine throughout throughout the season there. But uh, Des Bryant, yeah, he's he's poised for another great year. All right, now let's get into uh, injuries team by team. And we'll, we'll start with the NFC East, and we'll start with those Cowboys. We just talked about Des Bryant. They play the New York Giants in the Sunday night game. Tony Romo is on a limited practice routine right now, similar to a lot of, of how it was last yeah, season pretty, and the year before, just being cautious, right? Yeah, it's pretty standard. I could imitate Dr. Evil there, but it's pretty standard, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, until he suffers some sort of uh, major injury, I think that's just going to be routine and no- nothing to, to really talk about there. All right, and the running back situation, as you talked about a little bit at the top, still uncertain. Um, Kristen Michael a new addition from Seattle, um, as they had Fred Jackson. He's listed behind um, Joseph Randall and, and Darren McFadden. Rand, or Michael, excuse me, a former second-round pick, a guy who's never really gotten a chance to, to shine at the, at the pro level. Is this going to be a three-running-back system to start? I mean, we, we really have been talking about this for all of uh, the preseason and most of camp, it seems like, and it just hasn't gotten much more clear. I mean, I don't think that Michael is, 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 was brought in to, 
supplant either of those two guys at least right away. Um, but you know, we can't go through the, a Wednesday prod, podcast with, without like uh, bringing up Darren McFadden's injury history. Um, you know, Joseph Randall is listed atop the the Cowboys posted depth chart, but there's a little bit of buzz that maybe McFadden might get the start. And generally speaking, it's not really clear who is either a going to get the start or b get the the bulk of the carries. It's it's a it's a wait and see thing all all around. Um, I no longer have qu- quite as much confidence in, in Joseph Randall as I did um, earlier in the preseason. But uh, I, I think Michael is kind of a – if something happens to one or both of those guys, he'll be an intriguing uh, in-season pickup. And, and in a lot of leagues, he's a nice, you know, you know bottom-of-the-bench stash late-round pick. But, uh, uh, you know, be- best best-case scenario of him for him is to, you know, break into some sort of committee – arrangement with the, uh, the 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 two guys that were there before and uh, really I think that's that backfield is going to be kind of a mess from a pan- fantasy perspective until at least somebody gets hurt or you know somebody just runs away ra- runs away with the job all right and the Cowboys opponent on Sunday night the Giants the big name that we're looking out for as far as injury report here is Victor Cruz he still did not practice on Wednesday Hasn't been ruled out for Sunday night. He himself has been very optimistic about his status. The team, uh, kind of the opposite there. Sounds like he's probably going to be unlikely to play, seeing as it's not Cruz himself who has the final decision. I mean, I think at best he's questionable. It doesn't really seem likely that they're going to rush him back. Um, again, from a fantasy perspective, the Sunday night game, anytime you go into Sunday night, unless you have like a, a viable backup plan, it's really risky to to roll with somebody who – is you know game time decision or worse because then your your options you know for last minute plugins are, are pretty limited there um you know like uh espn's dan graziano was suggesting that uh if if uh, cruz doesn't practice by thursday it wouldn't surprise him if he kind of sat out um the first three games of the season because the giants first three games all occur within 12 days they, they have one of those you know yeah they, well, they play Sunday night and then uh Sunday at noon in week two and then the Thursday night game in yeah. week three so yeah three three games within a 12-day span so you you, you, you want to think that probably if he's not out there for week one they, they they might just end up taking it taking it slow with him and and maybe breaking him in week four that's not necessarily a lock but I can kind of see the logic behind that for sure yeah, and that would mean Ruben Randall would slide up as the number two wide yeah. receiver, opposite of Odell Beckham Jr. All he's right, look, not bad. He's not bad. He's not a good. He's not a bad player. I think. Uh, I think he might be okay this year. The Philadelphia Eagles they play in Atlanta as one of the two Monday night games in Week One, and the name we're looking out for here, Zach Ertz. He did practice on Wednesday. Still no official update on what his status will be. Of course, with the Eagles playing on Monday, we don't get their official report until Thursday. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the Eagles did on the field on Wednesday, but he he is at least cleared to practice, although it is trending towards a game-time decision. And even worse than a Sunday night game, you know, game-time decision situation, Monday night is, is yeah, uh, I mean, unless you're, like, desperate to start Ertz in week one, uh, I mean, even if he does end up suiting up uh, Brett Selleck is around and there's no you know there's no guarantee that Ertz would be heavily targeted so you know as much talent as he has uh, you know game time decision heading into Monday night is pretty risky all right looking at the Washington Redskins they host the Miami Dolphins in a noon game on Sunday Jordan Reed dealing with a hamstring injury and Deshaun Jackson a shoulder injury 
both of those guys were not listed on Wednesday's injury report. Well, that's that's good news for that team. And, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. And, you know, the jury's still out on whether or not he is truly a, a an upgrade over Griffin. You know, he's had moments in the, in the past. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, both of those guys are going to be heavily involved in the passing game. Pierre Garçon is there too. So you, you look at those names, Jackson, Pierre Garçon, J- Jordan Reed, um, those are some decent weapons for Cousins. They have a solid, uh, you know, feature back in Alfred Morse. So, um, as much dysfunction ha- as uh, the Washington franchise, you know, has generated, uh, you know, through through the media at least, um, Cousins has a chance to do well. You know, if, if those weapons stay healthy for him. Right. Cousins seems to have the backing of the team, at least uh, from a coaching and from a teammate standpoint, much more than RG three did. And Griffin was still limited in practice Wednesday, still waiting on the, the concussion protocol clearance um, from the league, I guess, and from the, the independent neurosurgeon who apparently took a look at him after week three of the preseason. Well, uh, you know, the, the team really doesn't have to rush into any sort of decision no. in terms of Griffin other than, you know, will he be active for week one? Or, and if he is, uh, is he technically the number two guy or the number three guy? But, you know, he's, he's not playing anytime soon. So we don't really have to worry about him. You know, there's always the chance that Cousins struggles or gets hurt. But, you know, that guaranteed contract that uh, could kick in if, uh, you know, Griffin plays, gets hurt, it seems to be doesn't seem to be a high percentage play for, the, for, for Washington to turn to Griffin unless they really need to. All right, turning to the NFC South, we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. They're hosting Philadelphia on Monday night. Tevin Coleman named the starting running back earlier this week. Devontae Freeman was kind of banged up a little bit throughout the preseason with a hamstring injury. He sounds like he'll be good to go, listed as number two. Probably going to see a bit of a timeshare there. Um, Roddy White returned to practice on Tuesday. He had an elbow procedure uh, in late August just to kind of clean something up. The team never really specified exactly what had been done. Uh, But he's expected to be good to go. Um, So this Atlanta team is looking pretty clean from an injury perspective. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that Freeman ne- is necessarily 100%. Uh, wh- whether or not he's still dealing with the residual effects of the the hamstring injury, or just the fact that it that that uh, Coleman got better quicker. Either way, uh, it <laughs> Coleman's starting a little bit quicker than I expected. And uh, those who I, I you know pointed at the Atlanta backfield in previous weeks is one that uh, I just wanted to stay away from because it, it didn't seem to have any clear clarity. But at least. With uh, you know, Coleman starting in Week One, he does have a chance to uh, to seize the job and maybe uh, hold on to it. All right, the New Orleans Saints they play a late afternoon game in Arizona in Week One. Kyrie Robinson not listed on the injury report after missing the last two preseason games, so he'll open up the season as Mark Ingram's backup. C.J. Spiller did not take part in, in Wednesday's practice. Excuse me, he had his knee scoped back in mid-August, still kind of working back from that. He's expected to be out Sunday. When he's healthy, is he going to be number two behind Ingram? Well, I mean, I think that he's, in terms of, like, touches, probably. Uh, I think that Robinson is more like the direct backup to Ingram in terms of, you know, early down carries. I think Spiller's role is going to be rather stable in a change of pace uh, capacity there. And uh, in that offense, with that quarterback, uh, I I definitely see a lot of upside there once he's healthy. But it it looks like he's probably going to sit out at least week one, not really sure about week two, uh, but, you know, Ingram's going to pretty be pretty busy in week one. 
All right, and just from a, a quick IDP uh, guy who could make an impact there, Jarris Bird is likely going to be out Sunday. So probably not a lot of fantasy value in, in most leagues, but if you are playing in an IDP league, uh, Bird could be a guy who might make an impact. Tampa Bay, we already talked about them. They host Tennessee, and that's a late game on Sunday. Jameis Winston's ankle is fine, like yeah, we said. Yeah, by late game, you mean 425 kickoff? Uh, right, Eastern right, time. yeah, the late, late afternoon yeah. game, uh, not, not the Sunday night game. Mike Evans did not practice on Wednesday. He's the big name that we're keeping an eye on for Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, there's only a couple guys on their, their injury report, so it's pretty notable that he's on it and that he did not practice. I don't have a great a sense of, of uh, his availability. You know, Previously, it, it was kind of assumed that he would be fine for week one. So he's definitely got to keep very close uh, you know, track of in the next couple of days there. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a high-profile game, as you mentioned, and, uh, and Evans is a high-profile target, uh, you know, along with Vincent Jackson there. So, uh, yeah, definitely check in no later than Friday on Evans' status. He's definitely one of the more, the more iffy, significant players this week. All right, finishing out the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers. They play in the Big Cat Bowl in Jacksonville. <laughs> That's a noon game on Sunday, one that I will obviously be keeping a close eye on. Philly Brown and Ted Ginn Jr. are going to be starting at receiver. Devin Funches, he had a hammy issue throughout preseason, but he'll be pushing for reps there, according to Ron Rivera. Of course, Kelvin Benjamin is the big injury for Carolina. He's on IR after tearing his ACL earlier in the preseason. The only other real uh, impact injury for them is Star Latulale, defensive tackle. He's doubtful for week one, so another guy to keep an eye on just from an IDP perspective. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the fact that Brown and um... – Again, are listed as the Panthers starters in the absence of Kelvin Benjamin. I, I wouldn't, you know, read into that too much. Uh, I do think that eventually Benjamin is, go- or sorry, uh, Funches is going to sort of, you know, he has the frame to to take over as that big red zone target, kind of emulate Benjamin in some ways, and uh, he's got some upside. But uh, I guess I guess they they don't want to just hand it to him. So uh, the, the more experienced guys, at least on paper, are the starters there. Yeah, it's just such an odd situation to me because Funches is such an obvious candidate to step in for Benjamin, just you know, the way he profiled, similar body style, just a big possession receiver. And, and you know, maybe we're maybe I'm overrating, you know, how ready he is to step in right away as an NFL contributor after, after kind of an up-and-down career at Michigan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Philly Brown and Ted Ginn are both smaller guys, especially Ginn, you know, almost yeah. almost kind of a, a return specialist for, for much of his career. And all of a sudden now he's the number two uh, receiver for a, a team coming off of a playoff burst. I, f- I feel like at some point, Funches is going to have to work his way into this rotation. Yeah, I mean, Philly Brown's got some good speed. Um, he, he's ha- he has had some issues with some drops in the past. Uh, Ted Ginn is Ted Ginn, which means that, yeah, he's he uh, looks good in the return game sometimes. Um, has maybe, you know, like the last his last stint with the Panthers, he produced a little bit. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets some targets, but very – very deep league only kind of guy for sure all right moving to the nfc north we'll start with the green bay packers they're at chicago in a noon game on sunday uh we already touched on randall cobb he's the big name there james jones signing i just wanted to ask you about um before we move on did you like this deal or did you think they should have stayed with uh with miles white who ended up being cut and now he signed with with the new york giants today so basically a swap of of james jones for miles white well um you know, Ty Montgomery, Jeff Janis were kind of penciled in as as, as two guys kind of competing for the number three job, um, you know, that originally was supposed to go to Devontae Adams, but then, you know, the Nelson injury. Uh, I mean, James Jones, uh, you know, he, he wasn't like 
a very effective receiver, efficient receiver last year in terms of uh, you know yards per, per per catch. But I believe he had seventy three catches last year for the Raiders. And uh, obviously, if you uh, go back to the uh, the time capsule, uh, it once it's not even that that much of a once upon a time. He did, I believe, catch fourteen touchdown passes um, for the Packers a few years ago. So he knows the offense. Obviously, has established a, a rapport in the past with uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I just think that it's a it's a low risk signing. I believe he signed for the veteran minimum, so really there's no there's no major risk there for the Packers. If it doesn't work out, you know they they cut them, and you know maybe they can just kind of break guys like Montgomery in a little, you know more like they planned. You know use him as a returner and you know get get him out there on the field in the offense occasionally. And and Janice, you know he he has some promise, but. You know the, the the Packers tend to like bring those guys along slowly, and it's worked out pretty well for them generally. All right, Green Bay's opponent on Sunday, the Bears, still dealing with a ton of injuries to that receiving core. Marcus Wilson, Eddie Royal, Alshon Jeffrey, all limited in practice on Wednesday. They remain hopeful, I guess, that that all three will be ready. But at this point, it's pretty much up in the air. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like all of them have a pretty good chance to play. The the one I'm least confident about is Jeffrey, but. Um, again, we'll know by the end of the week. I'm, I'm still pretty high on Eddie Royal, um, whether or not he sees added action this week because uh, Jeffrey's banged up or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jeffrey did get out there uh, on Wednesday, and that's a good sign. The other guys have been out there too. So, um, you know, we'll just see if, if, if anybody experiences any setbacks as the, as the week goes along. Um, you know, they're probably going to be listed as questionable, but uh, yeah, it seems like uh, all three are trending towards uh, being active in week one. The Minnesota Vikings, are they completely healthy going into Monday night at San Francisco? I mean, for our purposes, I believe so. I mean, uh, Adrian Peterson, um, you know, he's, he's ready to go, and uh, yeah, none of their other main skill players uh, have anything going on. So uh, I'm sure that ho- over the... Uh, over the course of the season, teams that uh, you know entered the season in good shape, uh, it doesn't take long for, for things to go awry. All right, the Detroit Lions, the last team that we'll talk about in the NFC North, they're at San Diego in a Sunday afternoon game, uh, late afternoon that is. Talked a little bit about Joey Bell hanging on to that starting spot, uh, beating out Amir Abdullah, basically just staying healthy is the way to beat him out. Um, Eric Ebron limited on Wednesday with an ankle injury. He he missed the last two preseason games. So if he steps out, or excuse me, if he if he's ruled out for Week One, Brandon Pettigrew steps in. I mean, he was limited today. I'm you know I'm obviously going to pay attention to it as as should any any person who uh, thinks that he's ready to cash in on his upside this year. But I, I'm not extremely worried about it. Um, obviously, keep keep uh, keep following those Lions injury reports, but. Um, you know, as long as he's on the field, Ebron is definitely a, um, a breakout candidate in his second year in the league. All right, the NFC West, 49ers hosting Minnesota Monday night. Kendall Hunter is on season-ending IR for them. Um, just, you know, basically a utility guy. Uh, used a little bit in the return game, I believe. Just kind of a depth at running back. Um, yeah, is there I mean, anybody else from San Francisco that we should really be concerned about? You know, not at this stage. I mean, uh, they got Carlos Hyde. They got Reggie Bush, um, you know. I'm a little bit uh, interested to see how uh, Vernon Davis plays into the offense this year. I know we're not—he's not part of the injury equation, but uh, when injuries hit the team last year, he was maybe forced to do a little bit more blocking and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, 
they're in, they're in okay shape for now, I, I think. All right, Seattle Seahawks, they're at St. Louis at a noon game. No Cam Chancellor uh, as of right now. At least Pete Carroll was very pessimistic when yeah, asked about I mean, the Chancellor that's, situation. That's not really an injury thing, but uh, you know his contract situation right. has not been resolved. And, and unless they get that going, like you know during our podcast, uh, it seems like uh, you know that's he's either going to sign extremely quickly and maybe be out there in Olympic capacity in Week One, but it, that just doesn't seem really likely. So if this holdout continues, and you know, it sounds like they're getting a little bit closer, but you know, like I said, Carroll wasn't very optimistic when asked about it on Wednesday afternoon. I mean, obviously it hurts uh, Chancellor as an IDP guy, but does it hurt the Seahawks' defense overall as you know, pretty much universally the top team defense? You know, in the short term, definitely. Um, I know these these holdouts just when it seems like it's it's you know it's all over, they uh, they manage to come to an agreement more often than not. I, I mean, I, I in all the years of covering the NFL, there hasn't been that many extended holdouts. You know, there's been talk of yeah, he could sit out the whole season, and it's it's pretty rare. So I think they'll get something going in the next few days. It's just uh, uncertain whether or not it's going to be fast enough to get him out there in Week One. All right, the St. Louis Rams. They have a little bit of an issue at running back. Trey Mason did not practice on Wednesday with a hamstring injury. Sounds like he's basically a game-time call. Uh, Todd Gurley didn't practice Wednesday either, and, and now it's starting to sound more like he might, you know, he's shooting for maybe a week four yeah, or I mean, five return. Already, Gurley's already been ruled out for week one, and, you know, the, the Rams aren't really saying much beyond that, but uh, there's there's kind of a growing feeling that, uh, you know, week four could be like the earliest we'll see them. And as we said lots of times on this podcast, there's just no real upside to rushing him back. He's such an elite talent. Why, why would they risk him? Uh, in any way, you know, number 10 pick overall. Uh, a lot of people compare him to a guy like Adrian Peterson, you know, when he's healthy, and, and that could be a ceiling. So I think the Rams are going to be like fantasy owners. They're going to be patient and hope that, you know, maybe by week four he's in uniform, maybe by week six he starts kind of getting the bulk of the carries. And then by midseason he hits stride, and uh, he could be kind of a second-half fantasy MVP. And, uh, you know, with Mason being a game-time call, um, that means he's, you know, close at least. So I think if he's out, it's probably only one week. So, you know, you get the one-week Benny Cunningham uh, plug in there. And, um, you know, he's an, he was our uh, safety sleeper last week. And, he was. Uh, you know, it's starting to look like he – if he's either starting or, or will be, you know, a key backup uh, complimentary player in week one. All right, Brian Quick, last guy we want to talk about for the Rams. He was not uh, not listed on the final injury report that came out on Wednesday, so it sounds like he's going to be good to go after dealing with what was probably a pretty minor shoulder injury. Well, I mean, it was considered major a, a while ago, but you know the fact that uh, you know he's not you know really listed on the injury report is, mm-hmm. is a great sign there for him. All right, two guys we're keeping an eye on for the Cardinals. They're hosting um, they're hosting the New Orleans Saints in a, a late Sunday game. Michael Floyd dealing with this, uh, multiple fingers. I believe he has uh, a tendon issue. In Dislocated the fingers. Dislocated. Just, just not it's a fun-sounding injury, no. especially for a guy who makes his living um, ca- catching hard, hard, you know, like footballs thrown as hard as possible mm-hmm. at his hands. <laughs> there's, I mean, a dislocated finger is, is gross in itself. There's something, like, infinitely grosser when you say dislocated fingers. Like, I'm just imagining, like a, like, a mangled hand, which is just not the image that I want in my mind at all. But he was limited on Wednesday. 
Um, even if he's ready to go in week one, I mean, are you concerned about him you know, lacking the dexterity or the strength in those fingers? Yeah, I just don't have a great, great feeling about whether or not he's even going to play. And if he does, how much of a full target uh, count would he be up for? So, I mean, down the road, um, you know, as, as long as Carson Palmer stays healthy, uh, Floyd has some upside, but he's, he's looking like a risky week one play. All right, and then Jermaine Gresham, he was limited also on Wednesday with a hamstring injury, uh, just kind of competing for the number two tight end spot there in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, you know, a relatively high-profile name, but, uh, you know, it's just hard to get fired up about Arizona tight ends. Um, you know, they got Fells in there. They got Nicholas. Uh, you know, Gresham could emerge down the road, but definitely wait and see from a fantasy perspective, uh, you know, especially now that he's a little dinged up. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week one, DraftKings will be hosting the biggest fantasy football contest ever, giving out $10 million in prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play for free for your shot at $1 million in cash prizes in the week one play action contest. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com, this isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, let's move on to the AFC, and we'll start just where we did in the NFC with the East Division. The New York Jets, they're hosting the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, a a very marquee game that I'm sure will have the nation's eye. Um, Jeremy Curley, he was dealing with a concussion. He's a a full participant on Wednesday. Sounds like he's going to be good to go. Devin Smith, the rookie out of Ohio State, limited on Wednesday as he continues to to deal with some banged-up ribs, not expected to play in Week 1. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Smith is all but ruled out. Uh, he's, you know, he's an intriguing, you know, player down the road, but I don't think he has very much uh, short-term fantasy value. As far as Curley, um, you know, he's a candidate for the uh, the slot role, but whereas once he was established there and it looked like he was locked in, uh, he's had kind of a, you know, not the greatest, uh, you know, summer, so... Uh, we'll wait and see on him, but it looks like he'll at least be available to serve in you know some capacity uh, in week one, likely as the slot receiver. But uh, again, it's the uh, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker show there. Fitzpatrick at quarterback, so we'll we'll have to see with the Jets. Uh, All right, your New England Patriots. Uh, they have yes. the Thursday night game. Tavares is that how you pronounce it? Traveris or Tavares? I, I, I would go with Traveris Cadet. That's very, that's very confusing, given the Tarvaris Jackson, but we'll try to keep that straight. Traveris Cadet dealing with a hamstring injury. He practiced fully on Wednesday. Who is Traveris Cadet? Well, he's a guy that uh, played for the Saints last year, and, and, the, and the Patriots, you know, when Shane Green left by a free agency, um, they were, you know, digging around for other options. You know, they, had, they drafted James White last year. Deion Lewis is kicking around. Um, Cadet actually got off to a really nice start this summer. But uh, then he was slowed by his injury. Um, and even though he's, he was listed as a full practice participant this week, he is uh, listed as questionable. So it's it's not, you know, impossible that, it, you know, he might be inactive. And, you know, they might just be bringing him along slowly. I, I, I just think that this week there's going to be at least one notable Patriots running back that uh, is made inactive. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's him based, based on the, um, the injury designation. Blunt is out. Jonas Gray gone. Sign on with the Dolphins practice squad. Um, you know Brandon Bolden may, you know, is 
may you know carry the uh, the load this week. You know, he's at least in the mix. He's the what you know how they 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 call him the the other big back now that uh, Jonas Gray is gone. Uh, Dion Lewis generated some buzz, uh, you know, this preseason. Uh, he's definitely in the mix for, um, you know, at least in the passing game there. And James White, I'm just not sure what to make of him just yet. He he could be the, the the surprise inactive for all we know, or he could lead the team in carries. It's the Patriots' backfield, and you never know. Uh, hopefully when Blunt comes back in uh, week two, they'll at least have a guy that uh, gets the bulk of the carries, and that'll at least make sense. Yeah, I was interested to see your, what your thoughts are on James White. He's a Wisconsin guy, so somebody that a lot of people around here especially are keeping an eye on. Played in just three games last year. Um, it doesn't really profile as like your, your typical Bill Belichick back, you know, especially the type of backs that he's favored in the last couple of years. So I, I was a little bit surprised to see him stick around as kind of that third, fourth, fifth option. Well, I mean, uh, if you look at Shane Vereen's career path, he was, he was not used very much as a rookie. Um, so that doesn't concern me as much, you know, in terms of, White's fantasy value as Deion Lewis just wouldn't go away like he at least you know in preseason games maybe not always against the uh, top defenses looked you know he he looked like a bit of a spark plug so uh, you know I think that it's going to be handled in sort of a committee fashion that that, uh, Shane Vereen role and um, you know whoever ends up sort of seizing that role at least has value in PPR formats that's for sure and then again, you know, once once Blunt comes back, I think now, especially with Gray out of the mix, I mean, he is going to be the big guy. He's going to be the early down guy, you know. And um, those who uh, roll the dice on him, even though he had a suspension, and there was you know talk that Jonas Gray might threaten his security, you know, as the teams lead back, uh, will be rewarded. All right, the Miami Dolphins. They're in Washington, as we mentioned earlier. That's a noon game Sunday. Devontae Parker. Listed as a full participant on Wednesday. Sounds like he'll be available for week one. But, I mean, he's a first-round pick. He's a top 15 pick in this past draft out of Louisville, a high upside guy, a guy they really like. The question is, is he going to find enough targets to, to return value, especially in the season when they have Jarvis Landry, they have Kenny Stills, they have a veteran in Greg Jennings. Um, I mean, is, where does Parker fit into this rotation? I mean, I they're going to right work away? him in slowly. You know, the, uh, the, the injury this summer obviously stalled his uh, development there. Uh, but, you know, you look at those guys, and he's maybe one injury away from, you know, getting into the into the rotation. Then if he looks good, you know, he obviously has the talent to, you know, to plant, you know, Jennings, you know, for sure. And then, um, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he overtakes Stills. Uh, Jarvis Landry is just – he's going to have a, a, a key role no matter what. But I think the Dolphins are, you know, imagining a scenario where Landry and uh, – and and Parker are a nice one-two combination for for a long time there. All right, and Jay Ajayi, of course, for them is on short-term IR, which means he won't be able to return until I think week nine or ten at the earliest. Yeah, I mean, mid he's he's gone until mid-season, so you're just going to have to see what's up with Lamar Miller, you know, and if if he's still healthy, and if he's not, you know, what's going on with Damian Williams or whoever. So, guys like uh, Ajayi and 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 Cobb who are on the short-term injured injured reserve. You, you can't really write them off, but it really, it we have no way of knowing what their context is going to be when they return. So, you know, total wait and see thing. You need to have you need to have a pretty big bench to you know justify a, a roster spot for uh, for him right now. 
The Buffalo Bills, they host the Indianapolis Colts at noon on Sunday. We already talked about LaShawn McCoy, talked a little bit about Carlos Williams. He's not on the injury report. Um, Charles Clay practiced in full on Wednesday. He was dealing with a knee injury. Do you like his value this year? Well, you know, the, the Bills have a bunch of different uh, options, you know, at, at, you know, as pass catchers. Uh, there's Watkins, Woods, Percy Harvin, when healthy. McCoy can catch passes. Uh, but, you know, they kind of need someone to emerge as maybe a, you know, nice red zone threat for Taylor as long as he's the quarterback. And it, if he doesn't remain the quarterback, whoever is the quarterback. Uh, Clay definitely showed some promise with the Dolphins. Uh, I'm not considering him a high-end tight end, but I, I do think that he will see enough targets in Buffalo to merit attention in deeper formats. And also, you know, just I see him as kind of like around 10 to 14 in that range in tight ends. And, you know, in a lot of leagues, that, that means he's a starter. All right, moving to the AFC South, we'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. As I mentioned, they play Carolina at noon in Jacksonville in their home opener. Marquise Lee did not practice on Wednesday. Seems like he's pretty unlikely to play at this point. This has kind of been the story for most of the preseason. Very frustrating. Uh, is he for, kind of like the Darren McFadden of Jacksonville Whiteouts? Or? He he absolutely is at this point. You know, I mean, a guy, great college player, um, you know, very electrifying player when he's healthy, but just cannot stay healthy. So Alan Hearns opens the season as kind of the one, and uh, and uh, Alan Robinson opens as his one A. Do you remember last year, uh, Alan Hearns, how he kind of? I do. He. Uh, you know, the people were talking about him a little bit in the preseason, and then boom, you know, first first week or two. I think I, I think people talking about him a little bit in the preseason is even generous. I don't think, I mean, I, I would like to see what his percentage owned was for week one. I mean, it had to be just tiny. Yeah, and then, you know, he actually was a useful fantasy player out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So now he starts the season, you know, listed as a starter along with Allen Robinson. Lee's, Lee's hurt. So, um, you know, Allen Hearns, I haven't really – seen him drafted very highly in, in any of the drafts I've been in or, or the auctions. It's almost like people don't trust this Jaguars offense. I just can't imagine why that would be. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, Allen uh, Robinson is getting some attention in, in, in drafts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if you're looking for that, like, last wideout dart, um, someone who is a starter who's going to see some targets, uh, I guess you could do worse than Hearns, especially now that he's not on the injury report. Yeah, absolutely. A guy who is on the injury report still, Toby Gerhardt, dealing with an abdomen injury. It sounds pretty minor. The Jags keep saying he's going to be ready for week one. The question is, is he going to have much of a workload? Yeah. I mean, TJ Yeldon's going to be the starter. Denard Robinson's going to be the backup. And I, I think personally, I see those guys getting probably 85 to 90% of the carries. Yeah, it seems like uh, Gerhardt's, you know, maybe going to see a little action around the goal line, but really his fantasy utility depends on Yeldon getting hurt or something down the road. Um, you know, it's actually not a bad, you know, one, two, three punch um, in terms of running back. But, yeah, Gerhardt was a guy that uh, they signed away last year, gave him a decent amount of money. But, you know, he was outperformed last year by Robinson. Obviously, if they were that high on him this year, they would not have made that draft investment in Yeldon. So, you know, Gerhardt, at least one injury away from you know, reemerging in any way. All right, two quick tight end notes for the Jaguars. We know Julius Thomas will be out. Uh, I think it sounds like at least three, four, maybe even five weeks. Probably around week four or five is when we'll really start yeah. to start speculating when he'll get back. Um, he's dealing with a finger issue, a tendon. 
uh, in one of those fingers, which he hurt during the preseason. Clay Harbor no longer listed on the injury report. He did have a minor ankle issue. Not a guy you want to be targeting, you know, probably at all in week one. But, you know, for the time being, he's going to be the number two tight end behind Mercedes Lewis. And the Jags are going to run out a base two tight end set. So he's going to be on the field. Yeah, you know, if something happens to to Lewis, then suddenly, you know, Harbor in very deep formats. And and if you can get him dirt cheap in, you know, in DraftKings or whatever, you know, it's worth a dart, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if worth would be would be the correct term, but it might be. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, we talked about their matchup with Tampa Bay. The only real relevant injury concern right now is David Cobb. He's on short-term IR, and that, of course, came out uh, over yeah, the weekend. Things, things are so bad for the, the Titans that they went out and traded for Terrence West, um, who wore out his welcome pretty quickly in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to see uh, Cobb injured there. I thought that, uh, you know, going into the season there, uh, based on Sankey's lackluster, you know, rookie season, I thought Cobb may have been able to seize that job, but he just uh, couldn't get healthy. And uh, yeah, mid-season is when we'll see him. All right, the Indianapolis Colts are at Buffalo on Sunday, a noon game. T.Y. Hilton no longer listed on the injury list. He had a concussion, so he's going to be good to go. Josh Robinson, he was also dealing with a concussion, no longer listed either. Is he Frank Gore's top backup now with, uh, with Boom Heron on the IR and Vic Ballard still kind of banged up with a hammy? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of looks that way. I mean, Heron was definitely, you know, slated to have that job. Um, you know, Vic Ballard, he's he's probably happy. He just he, he made the team. I mean, he's had some pretty bad injuries over the last couple of years. So, you know, Robinson's a draft pick, and uh, he really is just one injury away from maybe, uh, you know, being the main ball carrier in, in the Indy offense. And, there's been talk that, you know, they might try to, like, sort of keep uh, Frank Gore on some kind of pitch count. So um, suddenly Robinson goes from, you know, kind of a dynasty league target to a guy that, you know, is worth a, a roster spot right now and, and just one injury away from a big role. All right, finishing out the AFC South, the Houston Texans, they host the Kansas City Chiefs, another noon game on Sunday. And the only real uh, name of note here, of course, is Arian Foster, who we already talked about. He's not on short-term IR, however, and I think that was a move that surprised quite a few people given how severe it sounded like that groin injury was at first, but he's ahead of schedule, and now it sounds like you know the Texans, basically by not putting him on short-term IR, they're saying we think he can be back before week eight or nine. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly correct, and um, you know, they, he's definitely not going to play in the first couple of games of the year there, but then you look at their schedule, uh, and the Texans have one of those, um, you know, Sunday, Thursday deals, I believe, uh, week three and week four. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Foster rolls around, you know, week five or six. But that that is hardly a given. It is hardly a given. And um, obviously Alfred Blue is going to, you know, carry the load early on. Grimes and Polk are around. Um, you know, Foster definitely shot up the, uh, the draft boards in the last week or so based on some optimism. But, you know, I, it just seems like there's a – best case scenario of like maybe the beginning of October but uh I wouldn't necessarily count on it all right let's move to the AFC North the Pittsburgh Steelers playing in that Thursday night game Martavis Bryant will be suspended for them Le'Veon Bell will be suspended uh, Marcus Pouncey out with the with the injury he suffered during the preseason sounds like he's going to miss a considerable amount of time but other than that are there any injuries you're keeping an eye on well, I believe Pouncey's on um, short-term IR, so that's there's a, at least some sort of timetable there. Mm-hmm. Um, not not really. I mean, the um, it's, a pr- it's a relatively. Uh, I mean, it's, the Steelers only have one player on their injury report. 
Um, and then and the Patriots believe the only one that you know at least a fantasy note would be would be cadet and that's that's only in deeper leagues anyway so yeah we can just uh settle in not get too worried about the inactives uh you know always worth a look with the patriots they sometimes they like to throw that curveball but uh yeah uh, that's definitely a reminder for for those of you who play and you know no matter what the league but but especially be out you know be on the lookout for the uh, the inactive list because the last thing you want to do is like you know start a guy who who gets scratched at the last minute there. The Cincinnati Bengals they're at Oakland Sunday in a late afternoon game. The only real real thing we're keeping an eye on here is Andy Dalton. He was, had a very minor neck injury, never sounded too serious, and he's no longer listed on the injury report. So no real concerns in Cincinnati. The Cleveland Browns at the Jets on Sunday. Dwayne Bow limited with a hamstring injury, a guy that I think has frustrated fantasy owners for enough uh, enough years now that nobody even really seems to, yeah. to scoff at this. And I don't know, you know, really what the deal is with uh, depth charts, you know, at this, at this time of the year. But the Browns, you know, they still list Bow as a third stringer right now, and I, I don't know if that's just they didn't bother to change it or he really is kind of— Must be some sort of mistake. <laughs> yeah, like— uh, you know, in any case, whether or not it's a paperwork error or not, I, it's hard to trust Dwayne Bow, at least in the short term. He was limited at practice today. Uh, it sounds like he'll probably be available um, for, for week one, but, uh, you know, Brian Hartline and Andrew Hawkins are listed as the starters, and uh, I really need to see Bo do something in his new uniform of, of any significance before I, I would recommend, you know, starting him, even though he has that big, you know, contract that guarantees him nine million over the last last uh you know over the next two years there was even chatter last week that he might be cut so he's on the team I don't know if they had much choice given that contract but uh yeah he's a he's a guy and uh Terrell Pryor is also on that team and he was limited too um kind of an upside guy there but uh after, were you? Did you catch the Ohio State game on Monday? I did. Chance? Not. Oh, okay. Well, it's encouraging to see another former Ohio State uh, quarterback, Braxton Miller. I'm sure you're familiar. They switched him to receiver this year. Just absolutely dominate that game from the receiver spot. Well, so, were you yet to see anything, any clo- anything close to that from Terrell Pryor uh, at the receiver position? I mean, but like you looks, said, he's still an upside guy. He looks kind of like Calvin Johnson in his Cleveland uniform, but uh, sort of minus the talent. You know. He's, <laughs> He's a, he's a big guy. He's fast. Uh, he's, you know, he's got some skills. But, uh, you know, that, that, that team's wideout uh, situation is fluid enough that I don't think Pryor is going to instantly seize a big role. But it could happen down the road. And if it does, it could be fun. Duke Johnson, a rookie that we're keeping an eye on out of Miami, finally cleared after dealing with a concussion. Yeah, he's, he's still limited right now. But, uh, you know, in, in, in limited reps um, in the preseason, so, you know, I think the uh, the backfield belongs to Crowell in the beginning of the year. But, uh, you know, Duke Johnson, you know, Petten hasn't ruled out, you know, a role in week one for Johnson, but probably probably more of a pass-catching situation for him early on. Um, but, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of depth there. So if something happens to Crowell, uh, Duke Johnson could, you know, quickly ascend. All right, Baltimore Ravens, they're in Denver. Uh, late afternoon game on Sunday. Lorenzo Taliaferro did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury, so that means Javorius Allen is probably the primary backup to Forsett on Sunday. Yeah, it doesn't look like Taliaferro is going to play. Um, Allen behind Forsett, you know, another player, rookie, one injury away. So, uh, 
yeah, definitely got to keep an eye out for. And I think uh, Brashad Perryman is, is almost for sure not going to be playing in that game either. So, you know, highly touted rookie wideout. You know, we, we're just going to have to put that on hold for now. Kamar Aiken looks like he's going to start opposite Steve Smith. Uh, and Steve Smith just won't go away. He won't. He won't. I, I I just don't see a reason. And uh, and DVR has brought this up a couple times on our Monday podcast. And he he's very high on Steve Smith this year. And you look up and down this Ravens team. You, know, you have a, a decent, a, a dependable to good quarterback in Joe Flacco. Um, you have a rookie receiver that you drafted in the first round who's not ready right away. And who knows when he's going to be on the field? Um, you now you're still missing Dennis Pitta, obviously. So you have inexperience at tight end, and it's just hard to look anywhere. And and you know Torrey Smith's gone as well. Smith is going to get targeted. I mean, he um, kind of feels like the wideout version of Frank Gore. Everyone, right, exactly. Everyone wants to write him off year after year, and he just keeps great on comparison. being tough mm-hmm. and performing, and I don't really see any reason for that to uh, not happen this year. Yeah, exactly. And if there's anybody, you know, Steve Smith announced earlier this is going to be his last NFL season. If there's anybody who wants to go out on top or go out with a bang, it's Steve Smith, and it, you'd be hard-pressed to ever bet against that guy. Moving to the AFC West, the final division that we'll talk about, the Oakland Raiders, they're hosting Cincinnati. Tight end Clive Walford practiced in full. He had a knee injury. Andre Holmes also practiced in full Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now there's not a whole lot going on there with those two. I mean, Andre Holmes, he could eventually, you know, overtake Rod Streeter for the number three job there in in Oakland. But right now it looks like Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree are the top two wideouts there. I mean, Holmes has had some moments in the NFL, so I wouldn't necessarily write him off. But, you know, he missed a few weeks with a hand injury. Uh, Clive Walford is, is, is definitely more of an, in, an intriguing fantasy prospect, but that is more of a long-term thing. He, he's definitely um, slowed by injury this summer, and it kind of you know, probably robbed him of a chance to take, take over the, uh, or at least you know, mount a serious challenge for the top tight end job, which still belongs to Michael Rivera. But, but the third rounder definitely, um, he, he's the kind of guy that uh, could quietly, uh, you know, ease into a role in the Oakland offense, and if he develops a good rapport with Carr, then uh, make a nice little uh, midseason pickup there. I'm trying to find out if he's the only player to ever be named Clive in the NFL. There's, maybe there had to be some guys later, you know, like back in the... It sounds like a nice English name. It does. Um, but I, I don't really... Uh, yeah, we do really have... There's one Clive, according to NFL.com's historical player data, got? and you might remember this guy, uh, Clive Rush, who played in 1953. Yeah, well, you know, that's when I was... <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my 40s. No, uh, yeah, I honestly can say I've never heard of Clive Resch. But, uh, a brief but explosive career, 14 catches for 190 yards uh, in 1953 and never to be heard from again. So our first Clive in, in almost or more than 60 years, I guess now, 62 years. So good for Clive well, Walford. He's uh, definitely uh, he's, uh, surging up the, <laughs> the Clive uh, cheat sheets. Uh, in all formats exactly 191 yards away from becoming the all-time leading Clive receiver in NFL history the Denver Broncos they're hosting Baltimore they look to be pretty healthy from a fantasy perspective as far as we're concerned we'll move to the Chiefs they're in Houston at noon Albert Wilson fully participated Wednesday DeAnthony Thomas fully participated Jason Avant fully participated and Travis Kelsey said he's quote good to go so great news on all fronts for Kansas City looks like Kansas City is going to have about you know eight to ten guys all listed as probable and they're all going to you know at least be available to play and and like you said the uh travis kelsey news that's that's the that's the best news that they could have got there because he's being counted on along with jeremy macklin to provide the chiefs with a you know competent pass catching game to go along with the uh, jamal charles led running game and uh you know i 
I definitely like Kelsey. I, I own him in a couple of spots there. And, uh, you know, at times, and it's not it's more than just the number, he, he definitely has sort of a Gronkowski-esque presence at times on the field, um, you know, decent after the catch. Um, and with uh, Jeremy Macklin there not being Dwayne Bowe, <laughs> he's not the only show in town. All right, the final team, the San Diego Chargers. They're hosting Detroit on Sunday. The only guy we really need to talk about here, outside of Antonio Gates, who's suspended for the first four games, substance abuse issue, um, he'll be back week five. Ladarius Green being evaluated for a possible concussion. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't initially listed on the uh, Chargers injury report, but the San Diego Union Tribune uh, reported later on that he was being evaluated for a possible concussion. Uh, didn't confirm that, but uh, you know, Ladarius Green is the guy that we've all been waiting for to get his big chance, and then. He gets it, and uh, you know, a few days before the season starts, he's kind of looking a little iffy there. So we'll we'll have to see um, if it is acknowledged that he uh, has a concussion, because you know, right now we're just in the being evaluated for a possible concussion. So it, that's that's one to that's one to track closely there, because a lot of people were kind of like hoping to sneak in about four, you know, exactly four games of uh, value out of Green, and then you know. Anyone who owns him already would maybe kind of hope that uh, he did so well in those four games that he would, you know, at least delay Gates's re-entry into the starting lineup. But now that that's a it's a little cloudy. All right, I think that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. We are brought to you by DraftKings.com. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you make your deposit on DraftKings, and you can get a free contest entry today. Also, of course, be sure to check out rotowire.com. You can also get free rotowire access if you just go to rotowire.com slash pod. You can hear all of our episodes there. We have a ton of different podcasts going on, football, baseball still going on, prospect podcast, pretty much any kind of podcast you're looking yeah. for as it, as it pertains to sports and fantasy sports. So make sure to go to rotowire.com slash pod. Mike, thanks as always for yeah. joining me. The and Rotowire yeah. Football Podcast will be back on Thursday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.